In this week's episode of Farmer's Inside Track, five tax tips every farmer should know. Farming is about more than just working the land. Keeping good records and filing your taxes is crucial. So don't miss today's tax tips from Mzanzi's financial experts. Approximately 22,000 youth in Mauritius are unemployed, yet 90% of their farmers are elderly. A PhD student from the island nation, Vagish Ramburun, questions who will grow their food in the future and the untapped potential that rooftop farming offers. Farmers chose Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy as their book of the week. He provides a good overview of the main themes in cell-based meat developments including a brief history and the science of obtaining and growing the cells. COVID-19 has changed the world of work. Besides working from home, issues like health and safety during a global pandemic and even the decriminalization of marijuana is crucial when drafting employment policies. But before you break out in a cold sweat, Yanni de Villiers, the director of Labor Amplified, unpacks the best way you can craft employment policies and, seriously, it's not as complicated as you think. Managing livestock and keeping them disease-free is no easy feat. Eastern Cape livestock farmer Masimbonge Vuma believes in embracing agricultural mishaps but to avoid repeating them. Eastern Cape livestock farmer Masimbonge Vuma believes in embracing agricultural mishaps but to avoid repeating them. Be sure to check out his disease management tips. Also, in our Health Squared Agri update, Kate Mikkeldawi, Marketing and Rewards Manager at Agility Agri, unpacks the Agility Rewards Program. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzansi, welcome to episode 61 of Food for Mzansi's weekly podcast, called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, and we're back with another exciting episode. And I'm Duncan Masiwa, but before we kick off today's show, a warm welcome to all the Farmers Inside Track listeners from all the 84 different countries. Yep, we've got the latest independent podcast figures, and we are really touched by the global support. So let's kick off today's show. Keeping good records and filing your taxes is crucial to running any farming business. Journalist Donna van Eden has put together five tax tips every farmer should know. We all know it's easy enough to start your own farming business, but jumping through the taxman's hoops can be arduous. Food from Zanzi caught up with financial managers to get you the best tax tips to grow your farming enterprise. I'm now joined by Davi Maria, Head of Information and Marketing at FNBN. So, Davi, what would be the first advice you would give farmers and agripreneurs regarding tax issues? My first advice for farmers or actually any business person or individual with a complex uh, structure uh, with regards to tax matters will be to get expert advice. I think that's very important 
to know. Tax can be very complicated and therefore a good tax consultant is crucial. Uh, remember, you know, we always talk about tax and SARS around the, the bry fires and you try to solve it with your neighbor over a couple of beers. But if your neighbor is not an expert, I would guard against those advice that you get around the bry. Rather employ a good consultant that knows what he's doing and you will in the end pick the fruits of those advice. And then what about registering your business for tax? Should you do it as a sole proprietor, as a company or as a trust? So when you do business, and specifically when you look at business for tax purposes, you can do business in a couple of forms. You can either do it as a sole proprietor, as a company or as a trust, depending on your preference. A couple of differences between them and what they are. So a sole proprietor is when you do business in your own name. All the profits and losses in that business accrue to you as individual or you as a farm owner. And as such, you don't need to register your business with SARS. However, you will then be, in your personal capacity, be liable for income tax. So that will be included in your tax return when you, at the end of the tax year. Because there is no the distinction between you or the business, SARS will see the business and the tax effect of that as being that of the individual. So if you pay yourself a salary, it doesn't matter, it becomes neutral and that's within the business. If you're looking, and the same apply for a partnership as well, where there's only a couple of more persons applicable. When you look at businesses, at companies, you register the business and then, for example, when you talk about a salary, when you pay yourself a salary, that becomes tax deductible for the business, but it will become a tax income in your personal income tax. And then trusts, a bit of different, and there's a couple of trusts, but I would rather advise persons or people doing business, and especially in the, in the farming side, doing business as a trust. I think the most preferred way will be as a company or a PTY limited that will give the most benefits from a tax perspective. Everybody in Mzanzi knows just how important farmers are in our day-to-day -day lives. So surely there are some tax incentives or benefits for our farmers. Do you know of any? Another vital part to the success of any business is record keeping. You can't measure what you don't know and you can't manage what you can't measure. So it's important for the running of any business to have a good record keeping system. It's also very important for your tax returns in any case. So if your operation becomes very complicated and big and you can't manage it yourself as a farmer or you have the assistance of your better off, then it's important to get a good accountant. In any case, a good accountant is valuable, especially when it comes to tax matters. So all commercial farmers, or at least most of them, are registered for VAT because you can claim the input VAT back, which is a crucial part of your cash flow. And when they register for VAT, they also qualify for a diesel rebate system. So the diesel rebate system states that you qualify for a rebate on 80% of your qualified usage. Now qualified usage means that's a diesel that's being used in the production process or then in the marketing process, for example, transport costs. But to qualify for this system, you also need to keep records. You have to have logbooks of all your production processes on all your tractors and other implements that use diesel. My advice for farmers will then be, you know, keep the integrity of this diesel rebate system intact to make sure that this benefit that the industry receive will continue for the future because this is the only support more or less that government give to the agricultural industry in the form of indirect subsidies in the diesel rebate system. 
Dobby, would you please warn our listeners about the possible tax dangers they can run into as well? Over time, government and SARS obviously closed a lot of the loopholes that there were in the tax law to obviously optimize the income that they get from tax. Farmers still have a couple of incentives that they can use, one being the diesel rebate system that I've spoken about already. The other one is where inputs can be bought at the end of the financial year and then be deducted from the income and profit and loss to get the most benefit from the tax regime that's currently in place. Another incentive that's in place is, for example, the livestock scheme with the land bank where farmers in drought years, they can sell their livestock, deposit the money tax-free at the land bank because that income doesn't be taxed then. They can deposit that money at the land bank for a period of seven years. And in that time, they can use the deposit to buy livestock again and they don't have to pay tax on that. I think a very important incentive, especially in drought years, we've seen over years uh, the fluctuating realities of tax. And that's important to come back to my first point of, of advice. Get expert advice in terms of tax. That change year on year and a tax consultant, that's his job to stay on top of these changes. And therefore, my comment on proper tax expert advice is crucial. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your expertise with us today, Davi Maria. Any last tips we should remember before we sign off? The fact that people want to pay as less tax as possible is as old as humankind. But I think there's a difference that you want to pay as less tax as possible or and the fact that you don't want to pay tax at all. So in, in general terms, we talk about tax avoidance and tax evasion. So tax avoidance is where you within the legal framework that you can do in terms of the tax act, you can reduce your tax liability as much as possible. That's where you make optimal use of your allowed deductions or then by changing your business structure and making use of the business structure to pay less tax. In contrast to that, tax evasion is the illegal one and that's the problematic one. And that's where you deliberately misrepresenting SARS in terms of your tax matters by under declaring income or you don't declare income at all, do deductions that you're not allowed to do. And that's the one that can get you in big trouble. Obviously, you know, as a small business owner, you need to protect yourself. One from paying unnecessary tax, but then it must make legal sense. Estate planning also becomes crucial when you do your tax planning. I think the two of them, specifically for the farming industry, actually goes hand in hand. When someone passes away, you have to pay estate tax and for instances, capital gains tax. But if you do proper estate planning with the expert advice that's available in the business, you can pay as little tax as possible. And I think that's crucial to do, especially for our new commercial farmers, to do that estate and tax planning hand in hand. My final tip to farmers or business and individuals even, do not try to avoid tax. The fines applicable to that or even sentences is just not worth the money that you don't pay. When you need to pay tax, do so and do so responsibly. I think that's the responsibility of every citizen, taxpaying citizen and company in South Africa. Thanks, Donna. Next up, research assistant and PhD student in sustainable agriculture and climate change at the University of Mauritius, Vagish Rambarun, questions who will grow their food in the future. 22,000. The number of unemployed young people in Mauritius. I was one of them.
We spend one third, one third our life achieving certificates, degrees, only to find ourselves faced to one of the greatest challenges of our life: finding a job. Finding a job is an experience we have all been through. Interviews after interviews, the certificates we earn with so much of effort, it starts to appear worthless. In fact, this is how I felt after having completed my degree in agriculture. I was jobless. The only thing I had was my knowledge in agriculture and lots of free time. Besides, agriculture is laborious, capital-intensive. You need money for land. You need money for tractors. You need money for labor. You need money for practically everything. I needed an alternative, and one such alternative was rooftop farming. I initiated rooftop farming with the aim of putting to use my knowledge in agriculture, and so I started to grow tomatoes, coriander, peanuts. However, what I got as a result that was outstanding. In 70 meters square. Area of my rooftop, I had a yield of 1,000 kilograms of tomatoes, which I sold at 32,000 rupees. I felt like a rich man. 32,000 growing of tomatoes require a little bit of expertise, so I will share with you how a very simple crop, coriander, can be equally feasible. If you have an area of 50 meters square, which is the same as a three-bedroom house. You can make a sale of twenty-five thousand rupees a month. Twenty-five thousand. It is so practical that anyone can do it. If you're a student, you want to earn some extra pocket money. You can do it. You have a job. You want to earn some extra money. You can do it. Oh, if you don't have a job, you can do it on a temporary basis, just like I did. The idea to turn it into a business, a real-time business, is only dependent on the individual. A recent study carried out at the University of Mauritius, under the supervision of Professor Faknat and Professor Lalji, showed that out of the 10,000 farmers that we have in Mauritius, 7%, only 7%, are young people. When the older generation are going to retire, we will be facing a major crisis in food production. We need a strategy. We need a new generation of sustainable farmers, and we could be that generation of sustainable farmers. We, the rooftop growers, by adopting rooftop farming, not only we are securing a job, but we are also contributing to the food security of our country. To end, if unemployed as I was, think, think of your area of expertise and exploit it. Exploit it fully, but if you have tried again and again, again and again, that nothing is working, that you are still part of that twenty-two thousand people, don't worry, you always have coriander. Thanks for joining us, Vagish Ramburum, and may this be inspiration for everyone to embrace rooftop farming. Next up, Yanni De Villiers, director of Labour Amplified. Unpacks the best way you can draft employment policies. Yani, what type of policies must an employer have, and why is an employment policy so important? Employment policies are the rules, regulations, and practices that employers have in their workplaces. These policies are the blueprint of what is considered good behavior, good performance, and respectful conduct for employees and employers alike. 
They add to certainty within workplaces and they ensure consistency in treatment of employees. So this means that everyone in a workplace knows exactly what is expected of them because it has been reduced to writing and it is a formal policy within the workplace. So are there different types of employment policies and how do they differ? Employment policies can cover any relevant topic in a workplace that likely isn't already covered in the employment contract itself. The most well-known are disciplinary codes, which stipulate the different transgressions and sanctions that can be expected within a workplace. Another example is a grievance policy, and that governs conflict management within workplaces. Employers are also encouraged to have a third kind of policy, which is a performance policy. That policy will stipulate performance standards and rewards where applicable. So in short, as many topics as are considered relevant within a workplace, that's how many policies you could possibly have. Are there any specific steps employers can follow when drafting employment policies? Unfortunately, there isn't a one-size-fits-all rule that will help employers draft policies for their workplaces. However, there are a few basic steps that could assist employers. And these are, firstly, make sure that employees know what acceptable workplace conduct looks like. This means clear rules, as well as clear consequences for breaching those rules. Employees cannot be expected to comply with rules that they did not know about. Secondly, beware of policy overload. Every eventuality cannot possibly be included in a policy and nor will having 20 different policies help create a more harmonious working environment. Accept that policies are dynamic documents that can be changed if need be. Thirdly, following on from the previous point, have a process in place to regularly review policies to ensure that they still comply with the law and regulatory changes that may occur. Fourthly, make sure that employees have easy access to policies. Having them electronically available for office and remote workers will be fine, but keep hard copies on hand for those workers who do not have access to computers. And finally, have a fairly formal onboarding process for new employees, where policies are explained properly. This will go a long way to make sure that new employees feel more at home too. And then lastly, what about the employees? What should they be aware of? Employers definitely carry most of the responsibility when it comes to drafting and enforcing employment policies. However, it's very important that employees need to know that they need to make sure to know their workplace policies properly. Ignorance is only an excuse when policies are deliberately hidden from employees, which would be unproductive and silly. Read, ask questions, and have copies of workplace policies handy. It's very important to be well-informed as an employee. Thanks so much for joining us, Yanni de Villiers, Director of Labour Amplified. Wow, Mom, what did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality... Ask for Grainfield Chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens, bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za This is Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food for Mzanzi.
Now for our book of the week, as selected by our farmers, Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy, a food business reporter, provides a good overview in cell-based meat developments. It considers the developing regulatory framework and the response from commercial agriculture. Caroline Sampson, Growbank's Executive Head for Strategy and Environmental, Social and Governance, reviewed this book on behalf of our farmers. In December 2020, headlines appeared in news media around the world that Singapore has become the first country to approve the production and sale of sour-based meat for chicken nuggets. But what is sour-based meat and how does it differ from plant-based alternatives? Billion Dollar Burger by Chase Purdy is a good place to start finding answers to these questions. The book provides a solid overview of the main themes in cell-based meat developments, including a brief history of the concept. It explains the basic science of obtaining and growing the cells, the equipment needed and the challenges in identifying the optimal growing media. It also delves into the developing regulatory framework and the response of commercial agriculture. Some companies aim to take advantage of more environmentally conscious consumers, while others are more focused on food security, given the potential impact of climate change on the sector. If you need detailed information on this concept, this is not the book for you. If you are, however, looking for an overview that will allow you to interpret and understand the concept of cell-based meat, this is a good place to start. What an inspiring read there by Chase Purdy. He's, of course, the author of the book titled Billion Dollar Burger. And also great to hear from Caroline Sampson from GrowBank on Farmers Inside Track. Remember, you can email info at foodformzanzi.co.za if you want to suggest the next book of the week. Next up, this app by the Agricultural Research Council provides farmers with info and best practice knowledge that enables them to be productive and economically viable. The app is now available for Android devices. Hey Duncan, yes, for sure. This app by the Agricultural Research Council is a must-have for any future-focused farmer. It's a free online platform to support smallholder and commercial farmers, experts and advisors on their day-to-day farming needs. It provides farmers with info and best practice knowledge to explore information on crops, livestock, animal and plant health, as well as agro-processing. And guess what? Training and extension services are also listed on the app. The app is now available for any Android devices. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Remember to stay tuned for our chat with Eastern Cape Livestock farmer Masimbonge Vuma. But first... Saving for a rainy day took a completely different meaning once we had to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. This week, Kate Mickledowie, Marketing and Rewards Manager at Agility Agri, unpacks the Agility Agri Rewards Program and how important it is for insurance companies to show their clients that they are appreciated. 
I'm joined today by Kate McEldowie, and she's the Marketing and Rewards Manager at Agility Agri. Kate, it's so great to have you with us. Welcome to Food for Mzanzi. How are you? Very well, and you? Thanks, Dawn. I'm good. And so this week, we're talking about Agility Rewards, and this is specifically positioned to for future-focused farmers and agribusinesses who want the benefits of a rewards program in conjunction with a medical scheme cover and so much more. But Kate, maybe you can break it down a bit for us. What does the Agility Rewards Program actually offer? The Agility Rewards Program, we basically have two offerings. We have our free offering, which is available to anyone who holds a Agility product. And that is a free complimentary switch of benefits that is available to all members. Then we have our paid for program, which is our cash back program. And that really offers members money straight back into like their wallets without having to jump through complicated points, processes, and hoops like normal loyalty programs. So there's definitely a lot that farmers can look into, but what should they really know when they want to consider this package and want to consider this program? Both offerings are designed with the intention to really put cash back into our members' wallets to ultimately help them save and prosper. Agility Rewards is full of fantastic deals and discounts really designed to help members stretch their monthly budgets by helping them with their day-to-day needs. Our cashback program really helps our members save for those bigger ticket items. So our members over the course of a year have saved enough for an overseas trip to pay for their children's annual school fees or cover their medical aid benefits for the following year. Now, Kate, when I hear the word rewards, I'm immediately at the edge of my seat. I'm like, tell me about the different features, you know, I want to know more. Can you break it down for us? Sure. So I think the really exciting thing about our cashback platinum program is that members can save up to 37,000 Rand in a year and they can do this a multitude of different ways. So if you're into gym or you like to track your steps, members can save and get cash back up to 7,000 Rand in a year. If you are dedicated in taking your prescription medication, you can earn up to 2,000 Rand cash back in a year. If you're a golf fanatic, just by playing your normal round of golf, you can earn up to 4,500 Rand cash back in a year. Just by paying your children's school fees, we help families with cash back of 6,750 Rand in a year. If you are a student and you finish your degree or your course, we will give you 5,000 Rand back. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. Does the COVID-19 pandemic affect any member reward benefits in any way? Should people be worried about whether they'll still be getting these benefits? Is that a concern that they should be taking into account? I think when it comes to COVID and what is really highlighted is that people are looking to save money. The economic uncertainty, the financial losses that people have experienced has really put this focus on of how brands, how companies can help consumers save. And that loyalty trend has been going on in South Africa because as a nation, we use them as a saving mechanism. So never before has it been so important to really show members that as a brand, and you care and you give them cash cash back to help them in like their kind of time of struggle. So what should farmers know considering this product? Contact details and for more information, anything that you'd like to give to them so that they can immediately hop on and consider this product? Yes, absolutely. So I think for farmers to know is that Agility Rewards is open to all members. It is a free complimentary service. So 
farmers and farm workers have this access to this free suite of benefits and those benefits are available nationwide. If they want more information, they can check out our great deals and discounts on www.agilityrewards.co.za or they can send us an email at info at agilityrewards.co.za. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kate McEldowie. She's the Marketing and Rewards Manager at Agility Agri. Great to chat to you and we'll connect again next week. Thank you so much, Dawn. Have a great day. That's it for this week's Health Squared Agri Update. But on a lighter note, Tapiwe Munawie is cooking up a storm in Cape Town with his lockdown food business, 27.4 Eats. He shares his secret to the perfect home-cooked South African meal. In my own opinion, the ingredient to a perfect home-cooked meal is the spice that I use. On any given day, I would use six-gun spices. That's the secret to all my cooking. It mixes well with everything. Thanks, Chef Tapiwa Munyawiri. And be sure to check out his interview and recipe on foodformzanzi.co.za. We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, Eastern Cape livestock farmer Mosimbonge Vuma believes in embracing agricultural mishaps and avoid repeating them. He now joins us to share a few of his disease management tips. Hi, farmers need to understand that chickens, they get sick very easily, especially when they are still young. So basically there are two major sources of diseases in poultry. One is diet. If the feed for the chickens is not formulated correctly, chickens can suffer from metabolic diseases due to nutrient deficiency. So in the diet, when other diseases can be caused by organisms called bacteria and viruses, it is often necessary to treat the chickens as soon as they hatch with vaccines which allows them to resist diseases if it occurs in the chicken coop. This is normally done at the hatchery. So when you buy your chickens at day one they are normally vaccinated. Um, Newcastle disease is, is present especially here in South Africa so farmers should be on the lookout for such diseases. And Masimbonge Vuma's Farmer Tip of the Week brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track. Proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. The Farmer's Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and of course also on foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Dawn Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, and the rest of the Foodform Zanzi team, have a great week, and please let's continue to keep each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. You've been listening to the Farmer's Inside Track Podcast. Supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.